Welcome to Making a Scene an Esplanade podcast on how art gets made. My name is Himanshu Verma. I am the founder and CEO of Connected to India. In this Kalotsavam special of Making a Scene, our guest is Leela Samson, one of the most successful and well-known proponents of Indian classical dance form Bharatnatyam. Leela has served as a director of the much revered Kala Kshetra Foundation, Chennai-based arts and cultural academy dedicated to preservation of traditional values in Indian arts and crafts, especially in the field of Bharatnatyam dance and Gandharveda music. She's a published author, has been a chairperson of Sangeet Nataka Academy, Central Board of Film Certification. Multifaceted Leela is also an actor. She marked her acting debut in 2015 with one of the finest names in Tamil cinema, Mani Ratnam, with the film Okay Kandmani starring Dulkar Salman and Nithya Menon and reprised her role in the film's Hindi remake Okay Janu. Since then she's acted in many more films including releases on OTT platforms, Netflix and Amazon. It is my pleasure and a privilege to welcome Padma Shri Leela Samson to the Kalotsavam special of Making a Scene. Leela, thank you very much for joining us today. Thank you very much. Pleasure to be here. So, when did you know that Bharatnatyam will become one of the most important parts of your life? Actually with me it never was uh... a moment of reckoning or anything like that i uh, went through school uh, as you know first in convents in bombay and pune but when i came to kalakshetra and actually joined the besan school i was introduced to a way of life not so much to bharatnatyam per se but to a way of life the theosophical society dance and music sports and uh, and studies but everything was an integrated uh, ashramic kind of uh, life and that suited my nature very well uh, walking barefoot not having too many clothes to wear in terms of variation just simple pavada chatte even though i came from a very alien background to that i i really just was like a fish to water so that when my parents actually thought it was an experiment and came to get me a year later i said no this is the place for me how old were you i was just 9 but uh, you know when you say when did you know bharatanatyam per se was going to be a way of life uh, i didn't i did bharatanatyam uh, three days i did sports three days i was basically a sporty person in the sense that my father was in the defense services so we always swam we rode horses we jogged in the morning like the jawans did and you know we just it was very cycling cycling in the com- in the army compounds so i was used to that kind of regime then uh, when i finished school and i went back to bombay to get into college the nun sister bganza who was running sophia college she said to me what do you want to do and i said you know ever since i was a child i wanted to do medicine and she said yes but you haven't done biology which is a must so why don't you think about it and i also see that you've done bharatanatyam for 6 years so why don't you think about it and come back and i'll keep a seat for you in arts and in science and i think that night i reckoned with the fact that i can't just do what i thought i was going to do but that i would give it a solid think and i think that day i felt that i couldn't give up the dance it had become part of my life uh, that was i was about uh, 17 then and how did progress uh, from there on you know you after that you've been a te- dancer teacher director of kala kshetra choreographer and an artistic director tell us a bit more about that part of the journey Well I think it was a long journey I was uh, going through college trying to do all the things that young people do at that age uh, but also I realized there was a part of me that was uh, sort of rooted in a philosophy rooted in a kind of way of life which I missed and so 
I was in college just for two years and then I returned to Kalakshetra and did my post-graduation, at which time I got closer to the kind of core group of Rukni Devi's choreographic work. And um, when you get into that, it's a whole other level of understanding your dance. Mm -hmm. I uh, started doing roles, I started enjoying them, but I also got introduced to the kind of jealousies and all the other risks and the little things that hurt when you come to that level and you know somebody else wants to do what you're doing or you're doing something that they they should have been doing i don't know it's like that in all companies and all big institutions yeah so that happened then you know but the wonderful thing was that i had the opportunity to observe rukmini devi to see how she worked uh, the musicians at that level it opened my mind to the dance dramas that she was creating it was an amazing amazing time and of course coming in touch with an audience that uh, loved her work and loved the roles that we played so playing the role of sita or shakuntala or rukmini and rukmini kalyanam or radha and geetu going these were kind of uh, very, very marked steps in the journey. But then somewhere I felt that I needed to, you know, I traveled with the company abroad, I traveled with Rukmini Devi. Then I decided I needed to go back to my studies. I missed it. And so I went back to college after nearly seven years, so there was a long break. Then it was at that time that uh, I slowly started thinking of a solo career. So. That journey began and uh, only many years later did I actually get into teaching. I had to deal with subsisting on my own and uh, surviving in Delhi. By then we had moved to Delhi, so my parents returned to Bombay, but I decided to stay on in Delhi. And then began my real career, both as a soloist and as a teacher. Uh, and in teaching, I dare say I found myself because I found I could question the things that I had learned. I could deconstruct them for a child. I needed to think clearly, not accept everything that I had learned uh, hook, line and sinker. I, I began a nice journey of self-discovery and that was a very good time actually. I was doing well as a soloist. I didn't dance so much. I was not prolific, but I, I also had this wonderful new journey of teaching and the relationship you have with students and children. And that has been actually for me a very satisfying journey. I never thought it would be quite so, so much a part of my life. In fact, I had to tone that down in order to be a better soloist because I needed to give myself more time. Mm -hmm. Being a soloist, I think you Himanshu, you've got to be very selfish in a way. You've got to look after yourself. You've got to hone in your skills. You've got to work with yourself all the time. It's kind of self-centered. Yeah. But then but you're also was, taking a big risk. So you're putting yourself out there. So you have to have yeah, these attributes. Performance is high risk business and very lonely. It's a very lonely career because you're on your own. You've got to manage musicians. You've got to manage payments. You've got to manage your life. So the, the teaching was giving me the stability I needed in terms of my finances. But the shows gave me a kind of satisfaction that I would not have got from only teaching. So it was a blessing that I could have both. And I also have to say that at this point, I met dancers from different styles. We were all starting our careers together, whether it was Madhvi or Shashwati or Bharati Shivaji or, you know, Balakrishnan Ashan and Kathakali. All of us were different styles, but we'd all come to Delhi and uh, Swapna Sundari. So we, we grew up 
in that sense on stage together. Uh, some went very fast, like meteors, some went very slowly, but stayed. So I, may, I forged friendships, which were very real and very, very satisfying. I learned about other forms, which I hadn't uh, till then. I mean, you can see them and you can learn. We didn't have the exposure that television now gives young people. You can go online and watch a Manipuri dance performance. But at that time, you had to actually see the performance. So uh, Delhi was a kind of potpourri of all the, all the various uh, people who performed these styles. And so there was a lovely uh, interaction between all of us. That was another whole journey. That was an amazing journey. And the journey, because I was very close to the Gandharva Mahavidyalaya, the journey into Hindustani music was a very beautiful journey. I had grown up with Carnatic music. And, uh, you know, Kalakshetra is embedded in a very strong culture of music. But uh, suddenly I was, my eyes were open to Kumar Gandharva and Pandit Jasraj and, you know, Hari Prasad Chaurasi, all those people who used to come for the Vidyalaya festival. And that was a beautiful growth I suddenly had both forms, you know, to listen to and to enjoy. That went on for 30 years, that kind of a life. Yeah, and it continues. And for someone who has trained at the highest levels and in the Kalashetra style, who do you look up to as great proponents of Bharatanatyam across generations? Lots of them. I mean, you know, the people who were the biggest names at that time, of course, were Bala Saraswati, um, Kamla Lakshman. There was uh, M.K. Saroja. She, in fact, was a Delhi she was living in Delhi with Mohan Kokar and her children then. So I saw more of her. Uh, there was, uh, of course, Vaijanti Mala. There was Padma Subramaniam. These were the big dancers at that time mm-hmm. who were performing different styles, Varvur, uh, Tanjavur, Pandanalur, all sorts of variations of them. And uh, they were fascinating dancers. But you cannot, I think, live in a country like India. Or certainly the kind of exposure I had, I questioned why, say, Chennai had not till then opened itself to other forms of dance. Even Kathakali, which is just next door in Kerala or Kuchpudi, they had not gained ground here. Kuchpudi had gained ground in Tamil cinema. All the dances there were actually choreographed a lot by Telugu and by the Vadyars of the Telugu Kuchpudi tradition, but uh, along with the Vannatavanars who were teaching Bharatanatyam. So all the great names at that time, Kamla and her sister Radha and all, they were all Bharatanatyam trained, but many new dancers, young dancers like Shobha Naidu or even Lakshmi Vishwanathan and all trained in Kuchipudi because it was the big new thing happening. But in terms of Manipuri or Odissi or Kathak, we never saw it in Chennai at all. I was very, very taken by uh, watching Maharaji or watching Kelucharan Mahabhatra, watching Kalamanlam Krishnaya, who was a very close friend of Kalakshetra. I was just swept off my feet when I saw these big artists and uh, their work. So I have to say in all honesty that I watched Balama and all these dancers as well. Very, very impressed. But I was also equally impressed by other very, very prominent artists of other schools who were actually the gurus of my best friends. Madhvi's guru was Kelucharan Mahapatra, Shashwati's guru was uh, Pandit Bhitju Maharaj, Durga Bhai was in Kalakendra with me as a teacher. So Singhajit Singhji was teaching Manipuri at Triveni next door. So it was a very big fraternity of people who were involved in all other forms. I, I, I feel that, you know, when you watch another form, you realize why your form is so special. 
it reinforced my faith in Bharatanatyam. Uh, not that I lacked faith in it, but it was like you're living in isolation of other forms. I'd seen a lot of Western ballet. I'd seen a lot of modern martyrgram and things like that. That's a very nice thing. If you can meet everybody in the world, all the kings and queens and everybody, and still come back home and say, home is home, then that's a good thing. That's true. And do you sometimes say that, okay, now I have become as good as the teachers and people I used to look up to? I don't think you can ever say that, Himanshu. It's a very slippery ground you're standing on. Uh, I don't think, you know, even now, when somebody says, Akka, you're good, I feel it's coming from somebody who desires to have the skill you have. And it's just a question of time, isn't it, before they become as skilled? Because they work so hard, these young kids. They really are very, very skilled. I can't even think that I'm, you know, reach a point where I'm equal to a Balasaswati or a Padma Subramaniam or anybody like that. Their, their knowledge, uh, the, the width of and depth of their knowledge was something quite amazing. I'm a keen observer of life and a keen observer of dance and I, I feel that honestly that will not happen. I'm good at what I do, fairly good at what I do and I try to do it with all the, you know, integrity, the best uh, that I can. But uh, I think that's it. I would never dream of thinking that I could reach where my guru was or nothing like that. I don't think so. Okay. So, uh, let us explore a bit of uh, Bharatanatyam connection and popular Indian cinema. So, if you look at yesteryear actresses like Vajanti Mala, Hema Malini, Travancore mm -hmm. Sisters, Shobhna, they're all, they yeah. were all trained or are trained in Bharatanatyam. Uh, yeah. What role did that play in popularizing the dance from among the uninitiated people? Actually, you know, if you asked them the question, they would say that ultimately when they joined cinema, they never really got to do Bharatanatyam. The people who really got to do Bharatanatyam in cinema were people like the Travancore sisters a little bit, but uh, people like Kamla and uh, her sister Radha, uh, uh, people who did actually a Tilana inside a film, in the middle of a film, or who did a Jatiswaram inside a... Those were the ones who actually got to do Bharatanatyam. But if you look at the large number of them, they were dancing, but, you know, because the films were so full of songs, they were just perhaps better at movement than somebody else. They never really got to do Bharatanatyam. Um, so, as they knew it, as they had been trained, they never got to do a Varnam or a Tilana or where I think very rare. Some of them got to do a couple of Padam maybe. So, there was a bit of that. But uh, what they did do for Bharatanatyam is that by virtue of the fact that they became so popular and they danced... Uh, solo outside of cinema people began to you know new rasikas began to come for their shows so Hema Malini can draw an audience of 10,000 people mm. uh, whereas uh, Dr. Padma Subramaniam or any of us here we can't do that if you can get 500 to 800 people in a hall you're very lucky you're among the best mm -hmm. but um, they could draw large large audiences but they then have to create ballets and things like that where they come and go as a goddess. And they do do Bharatanatyam. They do a little bit of Odyssey. They, they suddenly have some Kathak dancers do something. So they created spectacles which are acceptable to the people. And definitely many, many people, many more people now can say, uh, ye Kathak hai. Ya, either one the number Bharatanatyam mille, but this is, this is, uh, Kuchipudi or whatever. So that much, the propagation has grown. Shobhana, for instance, has done amazing work in Kerala. 
uh, and in cinema across Tamil Nadu because she's uh, such a prolific dancer and such an amazing Natunara. So I have great respect for these scene uh, stars who are dancers. Yeah. Tough lives. I've always been curious and I think you are the perfect person to ask this question. You remember that famous dance off between Vijayanti Mala and another actress in film Amar Bali long time back. Yes. How would you rate that dance off? I I don't need to rate it because you know look at uh, look at Deepika Padukone and kind of uh, amazing songs she's done recently where Maharaj ji himself has choreographed the Kathak and she has learned Kathak for those films. So you know there it's not that they're not doing it. On the whole you could say that there was a certain watering down and that was very necessary because cinema is not dance i mean cinema is cinema mm. there has to be an entertainment uh, quotient uh, for cinema okay uh, but i still would like a comment on another very popular sort of a dance off which was uh, madhuri dikshit and aishwarya rai and devdas absolutely so how would amazing you, how, amazing how would you describe that i thought it was amazing the synchronization the uh, the movements they did that's what i call very hallmark work that was um i really loved that and so to look at uh, uh, kamal hasan in some films he's managed to you know do a shiva dance right in the middle of you know his roles it's just it's really wonderful these people have really broken ground here that particular one you mentioned is something in devdas which i really remember with a lot of that was what maharaj ji choreographed for them he worked with them they worked very hard for that okay so uh, changing gears and asking a bit about you know popularity how do you make indian classical dancers more popular if you look at singing contests on television you know they have made indian classical music popular do you think such shows on dance can further boost the popularity of indian classical dance i suppose you if you want to do it it's, it's happening there are dance shows as well uh, i am personally very against all forms of competition and contest I uh, and yet I totally love how some really unknown groups from Bombay have reached New York and actually done the impossible and won a major you know television prize for the best dance group there. So I really love that that sort of thing. But in general in terms of what it does to the dance and what it does to you as a person I think competition as we see in a state like Kerala Mm-hmm. everything is a competition from the lowest standards right up to college leaving everything is competitive and that has caused a certain amount of very bad vibrations for our forms because kathakali is not the same ottadullal is not the same kudiyattam is not the same after that because every kid says i've done all this but what they've actually done is learned a 5 7 minute piece mm-hmm. and they get a first prize or they get a gold cup or something like that and that becomes you know that's all over the papers and they pay a lot of money to the teachers to arrange that particular piece but they're not kudiyattam dancers and they're not kathakali dancers it's just something that then they do comedy then they do uh, you know mono acting then they do bharatanatyam kuchipudi mohiniyattam everything they learn 5 minutes of everything their parents pay a lot of money to have that done for them and the idea is to win these prizes so that you get in the better colleges or the better institutions i'm against that i i think that's a huge mistake i think you know where's the competition there's no need for it it's kind of crass really uh, at the same time would you say that there is a place for critiques in the society for classical dancers and performances sure but the ultimate critique is you 
you know, we have to be the ones. It's like films, Simanshu. Mm. Uh, why are we all hitting our heads against the wall when Central uh, Board of Film Certification decides to edit a film or put their scissors to a film? Because we really don't think that they understand what it's about. And that's very fair. I think it's the same with everything in life. Ultimately, the ultimate button has to be pushed by the individual. You may like something, your father may not. But you cannot sit in the same room and say, why does this film not work for both of us? Mm-hmm. Because it's sexual and you, you may enjoy that, your father may not enjoy it. Okay, fine. But it doesn't stop you from watching it if you want to. It's just, it's not a family film. That's it. Uh, so it's the same with art. I feel the ultimate uh, decider and the ultimate person who is the biggest critic should be yourself. You should be able to critique yourself to death so that, you know, nobody's opinion matters that much as much as pleasing yourself. And believe me, you very hard to please yourself. Hmm. Very hard. So on that note, uh, can I ask you to give me a list of your favorite uh, choreographies which you've seen or learned, compositions you've performed or character roles played in dance? Yeah, actually, um, I think the most uh, beautiful parts I've played is when I played Sita in all six parts of the Ramayana that was created by Srimati Rukmini Devi. There was a year when Krishnaveni was having a baby, so I had the blessing to do those six Sitas. Absolute uh, huge learning curve. I loved playing Radha and Geta Goenda. I loved playing Shakuntala in the play Shakuntala. It was a speech play in Sanskrit that I really loved. I love challenging myself and doing something that I haven't done before. So that these were huge learning curves. In terms of my my items on stage, I love doing what I used when I was younger. Love doing Varnams. I love Tilanas. Uh, I have memories of wonderful choreographies that I've done. And I now, you know, people ask me for a particular choreography like Anarthanarishwara or things that I have created myself, Kumara Sambhava. Uh, these are new works that over the, I'm talking new works, meaning they're 20 years old. Hmm. But uh, these are things in my later career that people remember me by certain Padams, certain Javis. Now I've reached a stage where I'm really very, very into Padams and Javis and Ashtapati. I feel that it's my... Uh, yeah, it's you know you need to be mature enough to get to that place, and then when you are, then it's you're relishing it, you're enjoying it. Uh, you 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 said that uh, uh, you put a vintage to some of these dance forms. I'm just curious to know how old is uh, Bharatanatyam? Is it possible to put a vintage to it? Not at all, and I don't believe in the in the efficacy of that. I I find it very strange when somebody comes on stage and says, "Oh, you know, Mohini Atam is the oldest form because it was Mahavishnu Bhagavan." So then you have to laugh at this and say, "You know, let's stop this thing. Come on, let's get a grip here." They're far too old for any of us to uh, to be, you know, even making a wild guess about. On the other hand, the dance forms that have come down to us are very very easily dated because. We have cultural evidence in the temples. We have texts like the Natya Shastra that are dated. There are the epics, Ramayana, Mahabharata, which can be, you know, you can put some dates on it. But there are versions, hundreds and thousands of versions of them. So uh, which one are you talking about, for instance? And if you talk about Padams and Javalis and compositions like Vatnams and all, then we know that a particular musician lived uh, 130 years ago or 140 years ago. And so you can put a date on it. 
but mostly you can't and also every year that's passing a new musician becomes a composer if you like so every not every year but certainly every lifetime for instance lalgudi mama he was a very prolific uh, he wrote I mean, composed some beautiful Barnum's Dilanas and other pieces for Bharatanatyam. So all of us are, you know, we love doing those pieces. Balamurli sir wrote a lot of good music for dance. He created some Dilanas. It takes time. I mean, you, you cannot always find a musician who can be both a, a good writer of, of lyric for dance and also compose a great score on it. But if you take a text, now what's happening is, for instance, if I want to do something from an unknown text where there is no music for it, I could take a Kalidasa and I could take a, a you know particular part of that Kalidasa's poetry out and give it to a Rajkumar Bharati or give it to uh, Sri Ram Kumar and, or to Bombay Jayashree and say, can you put a tune to this? Mm-hmm. And if they put their minds to it and understand the lyrics, and then you can actually have an amazing new piece. That's what happened with Kumara Sambam. It's taken from Kalidasa. I gave it to Madhuk Mudgal and he put a score on it, which has now become so popular. Everybody does it. People steal it. People uh, watch it on... Everything that ha- can happen has happened with it. I do a piece called uh, Charishnu, which was composed for me by Madhuk Mudgal. It's become so popular, they do it in schools and all. <laughs> so, so, you know, it, it was just a fun thing that happened between him and me. And it became the score for one of my compositions in Spanda. But it's out there now, so everybody's using it. Uh, they don't even know who composed it and who they composed it for. But I'm not in this, in this fight for what is mine and what's not mine. I say, okay, if it's out there, then it's, you know, it's like knowledge. Everything is available, I guess. I don't know. Leela's Spanda Dance Company was established almost 25 years back. Why did you start the company? And uh, how did you envision, will your company grow forward considering Bharatanatyam is a solo dance form? So, you know what happened, Himanshu? I, I, you know, as you, as you live life and as you... So, I had done uh, dance dramas in Kalakshetram, but I was trained as a soloist. When I went to Delhi and I started working, I was performing as a soloist. I was teaching Bharatanatyam for solo form and many of my young students I realized was so good but perhaps did not have the temperament to be a soloist they had the capacity to be a soloist but you know there are some kids who just don't want to be out there on their own and they don't want to be traveling they don't want to be dealing with musicians they don't want to be uh, yeah it's very hard dealing with their lighting their stage everything is just to uh, get it would get on their nerves and i decided to you know when i was watching them i could see you know when you watch four girls together in a dance class you can see an energy passing through them so when one is a little low or feeling a little off as many girls sometimes tend to be or just my mood is not good today then <laughs> you find another very bouncy one near <laughs> near her who's saying Come on, let's go, let's go. You know, let's do it another four times over. So this transfer of energy in space, this is this started fascinating me. And I started doing little things with them, experiments and seeing how energy is passed from one dancer to another, how you give, how you take, how you deal with the person standing next to you. It's very much like living in a house with somebody else. And the space you give that person and also the interaction you have with that person. Sometimes you don't want to look at them. Sometimes you don't want to pass them too closely. Sometimes you want to actually touch them as you pass, you know. And so it was just an experiment that started. And I had already started doing duets with Madhvi Mudgal. And then 
Because suddenly one day I just put these kids together, five of them, six of them, and I said, "Let's start choreographing something," and that's how it started. Okay. And uh, uh, how did you, you know, adorn the hats of a chairperson of Sangeet Natak Academy, director of Kala Shetra, chair of CBFC, and still found time for dance? No, I didn't have time for dance. I had completely gave up my dance for seven years. That that was one of the worst periods for my dance. In fact, there was no dance. It, it's ironic that you are sitting as director of an institute where you know, for the first time in my life, there was space, there were studios for dance. which i never had earlier in my, all my career there were musicians for dance which i had never had earlier in my career i had to get them together i had to beg i had to borrow i had to steal i had to pay but uh, now there was they were all there but i couldn't dance i had to make others dance and so that was not a nice period for my dance so i didn't do that i was actually director kalakshetra and enjoying it when uh, certain circumstances in sangeet natakya we had and i think they were looking for a you know sometimes you look for that person who doesn't belong to any camps mm-hmm. somebody who is nondescript and who will just hold the thing together for a while in all frankness i think that's why they brought me there because i i really uh, you know there were too many other people who wanted the job i don't know why they weren't even if perhaps because they belonged to one or another party or they were uh, there was a rivalry between others i i have no idea but sangeet natak academy had seen a bad time and then i came in and i just steadied the boat for about 4 years and then so that was that in the middle of all that uh, i don't know why they they asked me to take up cbfc and i really should have said no because it really wasn't my thing but in retrospect it was one of the best and most exciting things that i did because i think i enjoyed it more than i enjoyed sangeet natak academy sangeet natak academy was up my street in that you know i was dealing with dance and musical forms of india it was really an amazing opportunity and a great privilege but cbfc was you know such a learning curve and we had a lovely board we did some wonderful work we went through 100 years of indian cinema we created a new document for parliament which was you know to pass a new bill a fresh bill for certification so a lot of things we did but unfortunately we hit into the spat between two governments and that new new governments coming into place and so we got uh, but we finished our term it was at the end of our term that we resigned all of us but we had done our four years okay but uh, wasn't your exit from cbfc was due to some unpleasantness with the whole gurmeet ram rahim singh uh, film no i think they were trying to uh, close our board down get me out all that was happening already long before that but uh, the spat was you know you need something to get out no uh, and that was a very major thing that was that was a certification that came out of cbfc without anybody knowing about it uh, so that's sure ground i mean if i had taken that to court there would have been a big rap because it was not that he got it he should have got it that's not the point that it was given without any official involvement that means cbfc had nothing to do with it the ministry did it that is uncalled for you cannot do that okay so we're going to change gears again and want to ask you you know how dancers can get some tips and uh, some things they can learn from what you have to say how important is practice for dancers do they need to know classical music to be a more holistic performer practice makes perfect there's no question about it you know if you think about it it's that making that rasam or that dal every day for 50 years which your grandmother or your mother does 
and they perfect it they hardly look at it it's just made and it always tastes so good that's the kind of practice that you know the practice has to dull you actually it, so much that you practice becomes part of who you are if you're going to have to wait for certain conducive situations to happen so that you can practice then you might as well give up because you're never going to be able to do it you have to be able to dance in a train dance in a plane do whatever you've got to practice that goes without saying are you a better dancer because of your you're a good musician without doubt you have to learn music uh, if you cannot be singing it your soul should be singing it uh, as you dance then you know there's a whole other level of appreciation and in all major dance institutes all over the world the dancer even if they didn't like it had to go to music class to appreciate for instance in the west if you're doing swan lake or you're doing romeo and juliet or spartacus or something you have to there's a huge great composer who's done the music for these ballets so you 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 may be only 16 but you have to go through you know the whole of trying to become that consummate musician who actually understands what this man was doing and you know because they have 100 piece orchestras you have to appreciate what's happening the soul of that music is coming through these 50 violins and how do you how do you appreciate it you're just a dancer who's spending all your time breaking your back on the dance movement but if on stage you cannot dance to those 50 violins then you're you're a mess many people resist it many dancers say no it's not important i don't care i'm just counting my 1 2 3 4 or whatever i don't think they can do up in them if they're that kind of an artist and i certainly think they can't be as expressive as somebody else who actually feels the music okay so you know there is this interesting trend like you're saying bharatnatyam has become more and more popular yeah. what should or what could the diaspora kids do there are a lot of kids from the northern part of the country who are started learning bharatnatyam and uh, these kids are born in foreign countries they are of indian origin they are attracted to the dance form so for them to begin with learning the dance form is a challenge some of them become really good and then there's a second layer of understanding what the lyrics are and then understanding classical music what kind of tips would you give uh, such kids diaspora children I, I never look at them as diaspora anymore because you know the world is so small now. I would say it's harder for a, a, a small little girl in a village in Kerala to get access than a kid in New York or mm-hmm. uh, in New Jersey or wherever. So I, I don't look at it like that. I feel a kid in in Manipur, uh, if she wants to learn Bharatanatyam or Carnatic music, then she has a real problem because she doesn't have Wi-Fi. She doesn't have. Uh, she's living in the mountains. She's So really diaspora is not something I'm empathetic to in in any way but I think they have access which is a huge thing it's like saying that a kid who is growing up abroad has some form of access mm-hmm. they even have a teacher who is trained nowadays now it's you know you have teachers everywhere you have institutions that have come up everywhere they've got to go through the same rigor that any dancer in India goes through If I'm a Punjabi kid, I I'm living right in the heart of Delhi and I'm trying to learn Bharatanatyam and I think that's it. It's not it. She will have to learn Carnatic music, she will have to uh, spread herself into a Sanskrit or Tamil understanding. She's got to come and have a dosa <laughs> in the south. She's got to have her rasam for her to get under the skin of Bharatanatyam. Yeah, yeah. And I really mean it. I mean yeah. that, you know, if she doesn't ever wear a sari and she thinks she's going to be a dancer i think even that is that could be a problem no that's great feedback that was precisely the kind of tip 
I was asking for and you just put the right context by putting it in a North Indian Punjabi context. Yeah. I think you just got to love it enough to say okay I I'll give up my salwar kameez and I'll wear a sari just to feel how these people feel. I should visit a couple of temples. I should come south and live here for a while. Something there has to be some sacrifice made ultimately at least. Okay. And uh, should dancers stick to the traditional music and lyrics or should they move into contemporary lyrics based on the socio-political issues and compose dances around them? I'm I'm not a should person. I'm very much a could person. So they could do whatever they like. The world is at their feet. They can do whatever they want to do. At some point in life, just like everything else, when you are so free and you think that you know, I have the freedom to live my life the way I want. I'm going to get out of my parents' home. I'm going to go to every bar in town. I'm going to do whatever I like. You you can do all that. Nobody's saying that. because you become an adult one day and you you have access and you do it you have the money also maybe but suddenly you realize that without some form of restraint life is not fun anymore uh, you can get into trouble you can fall off the cliff you can so this is what happens in life and it happens in art as well if there are no boundaries what happens is you're in no man's land and nothing fits so sometimes you've got to see how you can do it with some uh, not restrictions but a boundary or an open boundary if you like well uh, in your case you definitely expanded your art by entering acting and about 5 years back you made your really big debut with uh, in a money ratnam film how did that come about it was just a blessing himanshu he uh, he was looking for a particular type of person and he is known to do that he doesn't care sometimes about whether it's a big name or not if he feels that somebody fits in that i went to him and I, you know he he said i want to tell you a story when i went i listened to the story he said do you like this this character i said yeah she's good and uh, he said would you like to try out for it and i said what do you mean try out hmm. so i i said i thought you were just telling me a story he said no this is my film <laughs> oh god <laughs> so i took 10 jumps backwards but he reposed so much faith in me i don't know why because i i swore to him i said you know i haven't even taken part in a play in my school school days but i was so shy you've been doing abhinay on the stage for many years so oh, that's not the thing speech delivery and uh, acting is very different but he was he put a, he reposed a lot of faith in me he uh gave me a script that was wonderful a character that was wonderful I really enjoyed it and then you know i really worked once i knew i had to do it i was just it was i just love doing something where i can learn something new and it was a huge new learning curve i loved it well talking of uh, your journey to singapore you came with spanda dance company for the first time in 2014 and performed That's disha it. as a part of kala utsavam and then you know how was your experience then and when you came back to do nadi in 2018 well you know singapore is very exciting because you know you have esplanade is is really one of the most beautiful uh, institutions anywhere in the world actually it's a dream you know for an artist uh, we always come there with excitement i think disha was uh, very very nice very special i have good memories of that the next one we went up the ante a bit and we we brought a large group of musicians so that was very nice uh, they certainly were uh, more popular with the staff than the dancers were so <laughs> so uh, but it was such a pleasure it was it was really wonderful great great absolutely boy anyway so it was 
lovely being there. So, uh, would you say, how do you say Bharatanatyam is propagated and patronized by Indian diaspora? Do you think the dance form is in safe hands with Indians abroad? In some ways, they take it more seriously than uh, than it is done in India? Uh, depends on when you ask this question, because, you know, I've seen it over 50 years now, and the diaspora was not very efficient 50 years ago, mm. even in America and all. People had started teaching, but they were not it was okay. It was in pocket. Uh, they grew and they became, let's say, five, seven of them across the United States started making larger institutions and, you know, larger studios and more students and big business out of it. And so when you do that and you expand like that, then you, of course, start having to become more serious. Then the musicians started traveling for Arangetrams, became a little more professional. They had to at least be correct in what they had taught because the musicians were people like Sita Ramasharma, well-known artists like that. So it has taken its time for them to become, you say that they're more serious than anybody. They're equally serious as we are here. I, I don't make pronouncements like that because I don't think they're true. Now you could say that they've reached a point where they are as serious as we are. They are doing good work. They're amazingly committed and uh, there are some high standards being set, which means that Bharatanatyam has become part of a world family and uh, that is good. Yeah. So from your experience of performing across the world, please tell us and pick up some of your really memorable experiences, like a top three. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, I think Nadi in uh, Singapore was one of those very, very memorable. The fact that, you know, we had such lovely musicians and it was kind of very, very special. But I could say that even as a soloist, dancing on the banks of the Ganga late at night, dancing mm -hmm. in a small village, you know, in Madhya Pradesh, for a large number of Yatra people, people, tra you know, walking, they do the Ramayana trail, actually. They, they walk to places and caves and all where they believe. Uh, these sadhus, they go from place to place. They believed Rama went and sat. And the state government had a festival there. I still remember going and doing a very simple Tulasi bhajan there, apart from the other items. And when I came back to the station, it, there was no station. It was just a, a little apartment there. And a group of sadhus who had been at the show, they had reached the train station as well. You had to get in whatever train was passing by there. And uh, they were talking about the show. Mm -hmm. They were talking about the bhajan I had done. And they, uh, they were talking about the philosophy behind that piece. And I was just sitting there in the dark at two in the morning, no lights, and listening to their take on it. And it was such a such an amazing philosophy that was they, they were passing the hookah around and all that. But I wish I had had some of that too. But <laughs> I just sat on my little box and I just listened to them looking in the other direction. And it was a lesson I'll never forget in understanding Sahitya because they had faith. I only had the dance form. Sounds very, yeah. very interesting. And so yeah. with all of this, I mean, I don't know when, whether this question is even relevant for you. What do you do in your pastime? Do you have a hobby, so to speak? I have, you know, I, I do so much stuff. Sometimes I, I tell friends that how stupid is it that during COVID you can be so busy, especially for somebody at my age, you know, I should be just bored and lying in bed and saying, oh my God, what's going to happen? But I just found myself so busy, which I thank God for. I thank my parents, my gurus for that blessing because I, I can't sit still. I have to do something. So I've become a much better cook in, during the COVID times. I'm spending time in the kitchen and making even one dish or one salad that I really love and getting it right. I also have transferred a whole lot of VHS tapes and music and 
videos onto you know digital form and spent hours and hours on learning how to manage a computer and do that i've also been teaching online which i swore i'd never do in this lifetime and i love it i'm in touch with young people who go with me at various times and you know, they've come back they're doing wonderful things but just that, that whole thing of talking to them every other twice a week has been amazing correct correct well i i would say that covid has made us eat those words never in lifetime most of us yeah yeah that. absolutely <laughs> i read a lot i love listening to music i love reading so i'm good i'm good fantastic Uh, Leela thank you very much it was absolutely lovely talking to you it is a pleasure to have you on the kala utsavam special of making scene thank you so much himanshu been a pleasure making a scene is produced by esplanade theaters on the bay singapore's national performing arts center look out for more episodes on making a scene at esplanade.com/offstage spotify and soundcloud thanks for listening and stay tuned for more inspiring conversations with art makers